Let's feast. Sprajnikam. This is a joyous feast for many, many reasons. One, especially to celebrate our beloved Mother of God, her dormition, her falling asleep. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So this is who is born. This is who she bore. But she bore him. What a powerful thing. You know, the saints in trying to describe this say it's undescribable. You can't say, you can't describe this that in her womb was the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, was born in the womb of the virgin. It's beyond words. We can praise her, we can honor her, we can thank God for this event, but really we cannot describe it with words. It's too, be, it's too beyond us. So we sit in many ways just in awe of this event, that the mother of God... Mary bore in her womb the Holy God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. So, for us today, we thank her and we honor her. The prophets foretold this. We see this in Moses, the burning bush, the tongue in Isaiah holding the charcoal and lighting the incense that it could not, it put it touching the tongue that it had to be a tongue that touched the tongue. And that tongue was not destroyed, nor was the bush destroyed. For she carried in her womb the divine fire. So we see the prophets foretelling this great event. David, Ezekiel, the prophets proclaiming the fact that the Mary, the virgin, would bear a son and uh, he would be the savior of the world. I love the, the imagery we hear about her always, uh, the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle, the ark that bore the, 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 uh, the salvation of the world, the chalice that held the blood of Christ, the paten that holds, holds the body of Christ, the altar on which Christ is laid, the new Eve who takes away the tears of the old Eve. So we see this great imagery. Her life is uh, a wonderful life in many ways, given to Joachim and Anna, offered in the temple, and uh, bears Christ. And we see her after, it's very beautiful in the proto-evangelical uh, books that we see this uh, the, her life kind of unfolded before us. We don't see this in Scripture much, but in, in the, in the uh, books that, that follow that and that we adhere to, we see her life unfold a bit. We even see that she visited Ignatius the God-bearer. He even writes in his letters that he had, he had, he had vis been visited by her and encouraged by her. She visited Lazarus of four days. 
to encourage him, bishop of Jerusalem. He visits, she visits the apostles and encourages them. She becomes the mother of the church in a very powerful way. She visits Mount Athos and blesses it. So we see why she's now the, she's the one that cares for that mountain. She visits and lives with St. John, who cares for her, lives in Jerusalem with him, lives in Ephesus with him for a while during the persecutions. There's an interesting story. We were there years and years ago, and it's, it's uh, her house in, on Ephesus, in a little mountain, kind of hidden away. It's a very confusing place because everybody has a piece of it. You know, this church here, and this, the Muslims here, and this here. It, it's like everywhere you go, there's kind of a confusion. So we, we had a group of people from, from uh, Deacon Howard and Gail Shannon and... Uh, Myself and uh, my and, and Gloria Jan, and uh, then some folks from uh, Saint Peter in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. So we would go around and look for a place to pray because we would take our prayers and do prayers uh, to the different uh, saints that we were visiting. We walked around. Jan, remember this? We walked around, and only outside in this little garden was there a piece to pray. It was quiet. Nobody was haggling over my little piece. Little piece of the house of the mother of God. This is our piece. You can't bother our piece. Outside, it was quiet and we prayed. So she's very present there. It was very beautiful. So, and she, in her life, visited the holy sites, the places where her, her son was, uh, Mount, uh, Mount of Olives, where Christ ascended, and these places where he was. So she kind of shows us that this is an important aspect of our own faith. We need to visit holy places. And she spent uh, the most of her time in Jerusalem itself, and that's where she died. She died as a mortal, as a mortal. She needed to experience death because she was human. It's very important for us to say that. She didn't skip this part. She died. And she sits now at the right hand of her son. And uh, she beautifully asked, asked the Lord to take her and asked the Lord graciously to, uh, to let her have one last word with the apostles. So miraculously, he gathered all of them to her, except one. Poor Thomas, three days late. <laughs> but he was the one that made the great discovery. So they put her in tumor in Jerusalem, and uh, uh, it, they, it, around the, uh, the, the gravesite of her mother and father, Joachim and Anna. And Thomas comes three days later and opens the tomb to venerate her, and she has been taken. I was interested, I remember one time Bishop Basil Essie said to us, uh, you know, we're wondering, well, why, why, why? He says, well, if you were God and your mother was in the tomb, what would you do? You would take her. It's not any place for her, his mother, right? That's not place. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't dwell there. She dwells next to me in heaven, to my right hand. On the right hand stood the queen, dressed in garments of gold and many colors foretold by the psalmist. Okay. 
So we see this beautiful uh, event uh, enfolding before us. The humanity of our beloved mother is exalted into heaven, sits next to the divine. Our place where we are to ascend to, uh, to heaven for our flesh is to ascend as her flesh ascends. So very beautiful to us. So for us today, I want to encourage you with a few things. One, she is our example. She is our example. Godly striving, always striving to do the good thing, to do the right thing, to make the right choice, to think the right thought, to do the right deed. That was her life always striving to do that good work, to do that good thought, to say that good word. That's her example to us. Never cease that effort. Never cease it. Never cease that effort. That's an incredible effort and a, a beautiful thing for us to emulate. For always godly striving, never, never relenting from that, never taking a vacation from that effort. She is the image of purity. She is, as St. Gregory Palama says, she's everything good. And we so desperately in our society need an image of purity. There are so many impure images out there that we need something that counteracts that. We need something that can be imprinted in us that can defeat these horrible, impure images we see all over the place. You know that image? That's the image. That image trumps all those impure images. Implant that image in your mind. Have her, have her, the face of her icon in your head so that it can trump all the impurity. She is the image of everything good. Imprint the image deeply in you. When you pray at your altar, Look at her icon. Allow it to be imprinted in you. Let it sit deeply in you. She has a, it's a powerful image for us. Image of purity. She come, becomes our great intercessor. Her closest to her son, her intimacy with uh, her, our Savior. Uh, St. Gregory Palama says that the seraphim are round about her around about the Lord, he said, the mother of God sits next to him. Seraphim are round about. She's next to him. She has the intimate seat, the most important place. So for us to, to use that, that gift she's been given to intercede for us, very important for us to, see, to have that. I remember I tell this, I probably tell this story every time I talk about this, but when Carla Brunstad was going through her her treatments, Bishop Basil grabbed her by the arm and took her over to the icon, this icon of Mother of God. And he said, pray to her, her prayers never fail. Never fail. So, pray to her. And she acts to us as a mother today. We need to see her as a mother. A mother who consoles, a mother who comforts, a mother who corrects, a mother who teaches. So this today, let us, let us 
see her in this way. I want to end with uh, two little paragraphs from um, St. Gregory Palamas on his homily on the Dormition of the Mother of God. These are, this is, he ends with this prayer. O holy and now heavenly virgin, how can I fully describe you? How can I glorify the treasure house of glory? Just the remembrance you brings hallowing, simply turning towards you makes our mind lucid. It takes it straight up to the divine heights. Through you, the eye of our understanding is sharpened. Through you, our spirit is enlightened by the coming of the divine spirit. You have become the treasure of graces and the store, not so to might, that you might keep them for yourself, but that you might fill the universe with grace. So the trustee of inexhaustible treasures sees to their distribution. He distributes his, the graces she's been given. Why would never dwindling wealth be locked away? Therefore, O oh lady, generously share your mercy and your graces with all your people, your inheritance. Rescue us from the terrors that encompass us. See how many dangers of all kinds afflict us, from our own people and from strangers, from within and from without. Through your power, turn everything for the best. Bring mutual calm between fellow citizens at home. Drive away those who attack like wild beasts from outside. Bestow your aid and healing on us to counteract our passions. And give our souls and bodies abundant grace sufficient for every need. And if we are unable to contain it, increase our capacity and give us more that saved and strengthened by your grace may glorify the pre-eternal word who took flesh from you for our sake, together with his Father, without beginning, and life-giving spirit, now and ever, and unto the end ending ages. Amen.